All right, thank you again for a great, great Sunday and a great weekend. And I know that we're probably a little tired. We had a lot of people working on Saturday. A lot of you did extra things and a lot of people here. So I will do my best not to go late tonight with all of that in mind. But I do want to share a thought to help us. Kind of ties into this morning, but I'll, what happened here today. But, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. When you look at <coughs> uh, businesses and so forth, uh, corporations, what makes them successful? If you're in a service, if you're in a service type business organization, uh, whether it's a restaurant, a store, or even a church, what makes it successful in, 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 in reaching out to people <coughs> and helping them? I've read, I like to read books and I'll read leadership books and business books and, and <coughs> I've even read some church growth books. And they abound with all kinds of ideas, but there's one that kind of uh, permeates the rest, and I think there's one that makes it successful in a sense. And let me give you an illustration of that. In 2016, <coughs> in Salem, Oregon, there was there was a uh, a pizza, a Domino's pizza, and there was a customer named Kurt Alexander. He literally would go there every single day to eat. One of the employees brought it to the attention of the manager. It's and they said, Kurt hasn't been here in several days. And they all thought it was odd, and they didn't really say anything or <coughs> do anything about it. They're like, well, maybe he's out of town or he's maybe sick. And another day went by, and the store manager thought, you know, we should go check on him. And so the employees were sitting around, and there was a little bit of a gap there. It wasn't real busy. And he, they asked one of the delivery drivers, said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you swing by Kurt's house? They knew where he lived. He was a regular customer, and he would call it in. They'd go by and check on him. said, why don't you just go by his house and, and see how he's doing? Well, they went by his house, and <clears throat> they knocked on the door. They could hear the television blaring in the background, and, and Kurt didn't answer. And... The employee got a little concerned, and he went back to the store and said, we heard, we heard noise like something was going on there, but we didn't hear anybody. And they got concerned, and so the store manager said, we ought to call the police just to, be, just to be sure. So they called the police. The police came, knocked on the door, and <clears throat> no answer, so they decided we're just going to, they broke in and went there. And when they went in, they saw this man laying on the floor. He had had a medical emergency a couple days ago. They were able to take him to the hospital and literally save his life. Now, I'm pretty sure <coughs> if you read the Domino's employee handbook, there is nothing in there about those types of situations. But here was some folks that cared about this single individual. I think some churches could learn something from that as well. So what makes a business successful? <coughs> they care for the individual. Everybody's a big deal. Everybody's important. <coughs> Acts is one of those books. There's, there's so many good things in it. And this portion of scripture, you could preach from it forever. But if you look at this chapter, <coughs> it starts out with the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
Acts 1, verse 8, before Christ left, he told them that they shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And then he tells them the scope, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and in Samarita, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so that's was their, that was their, their uh, uh, purpose. That was their game plan. And by the way, as it is the game plan for every Christian in every church from now on. But they were in Jerusalem and things were going real well. And God had to kind of prompt them out. How did he do that? In Acts chapter number 7, we see that Stephen preached the gospel. The religious people did not like it. And they put him to death. And then you get to Acts chapter 8 verse 1. It says, and Saul, who would later become Paul, was consenting unto his death, Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, church was at, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And so what happened, because of this persecution, they're scattered. And you know what they do everywhere that they go to is they scatter. They bring the gospel with them. And people are being saved. And as you go down a little farther in this chapter, we see that Philip is preaching the gospel. Look at verse 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria (coughs) and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with the, the palsies that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. So as, as Philip is one of those that's leaving, he goes to Samaria, and they're having a great revival there. People are listening. The city is listening. Great works are being done. People are coming to the Lord, and it gets better. Some of the apostles hear about it, so what do they do? Look at verse 14. Now when the apostles heard, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. They're like, hey, something good's going on down there. We had better send these guys down here and let's, let's really take advantage of this move of God in that city. And so they go. And many people are, are being saved. Even after they leave the Samaritan, they, they leave Samaria, look at verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So, so when those guys leave, they're going back to Jerusalem where they came from. And on the way, they're stopping in all the cities and they're preaching the gospel. Uh, crowds are being saved. Lots of people are hearing the word of God and being saved. But interestingly enough, in that same time, Philip is told taken away from this revival that's going on and all these people that are hearing the gospel, and he is taken away to go meet a singular man. Look at verse 26. We're going somewhere with this, so the, the introduction's a little bit longer than the, the message. The points won't be as long. <clears throat> verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And then he finds out why. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of, <coughs> excuse me, great authority under Candace, queen of the, uh, the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So he's taken and God says, I need you to go down here. And he goes down here and he finds out why. Because there's one man that needed to be talked to. And here he is, this man. Although they were reaching great crowds, God wanted this one individual 
to be reached. And I understand that we must keep our, our uh, eyes open and understand that <coughs> great crowds are made up of individuals. And the best way to win people, though, is one by one. And so God did that. There are a lot of songs and hymns that talk about sharing our faith and, and reaching the masses, and, and we like that concept. And by the way, I'm all for it. I appreciate that. I want to see that. But there are a few that talk about the importance of reaching the individual. And crowds are nothing more than reaching individuals. But here's the problem with crowds. They can keep us from focusing on individuals. Now, I don't ever want that to happen here. Okay, that's very important. There's that song, <clears throat> if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle. I'm glad that this morning we had a tremendous day. This place was packed. <clears throat> By the way, many of those that come on our buses, usually on Sunday, they all came yesterday. The balcony, <clears throat> or <clears throat> the upper portions of the auditorium, it was full, pretty much full. There's a lot of people here. As we mentioned, there were several people that raised their hand for salvation. I remember that service, and you're probably sick of me talking about it, when I went to church as a teenager uh, at Gethsemane, and, 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 and I raised my hand for salvation like a bunch of people did. And I went down, and I walked down the aisle, and they took me outside like we took people everywhere today. And I remember I was on the side of the building, and I was not the only one. And I don't mean this in a way, I'm glad now as I look back on it as a, as, a, as a Christian that there was a lot of people getting saved that way. But to be honest with you, at that moment, I really didn't care. You know why? Because I was getting saved. And I, I think sometimes we don't understand that. What if we would have had, nobody would have responded to all of our outreach efforts and only one person came, but they got saved? That's not a waste. It's not a waste. We just sometimes, we sometimes miss it because, oh, there's always visitors coming on Sunday. There's always these people coming. Hey, let's not get used to that. Let's care about the Easter Sunday. But here's the message. It's titled after one of the other songs that I love, The Value of One. I know the guy <clears throat> used to be at Long, uh, Longview, Brother Grace Church. I know the guy that read it. He's been to our church in the past several times. I got to spend time with him. The value of one. Just one person trusting Christ. And by the way, we're not ashamed on a Sunday morning to uh, Easter <clears throat> to, to have an invitation and ask people that don't know Jesus Christ to get saved. We're not just trying to have a crowd here. What good is that? If we wanted to have a crowd here, we could have a trick and uh, pony show and, and get a bunch of people in here and never say anything. If they're here coming to church, I would assume they want to hear from God. And I would assume that if they don't know Christ as Savior, what better day to hear about than on the day that our Savior, we celebrate him leaving that tomb. And so tonight I want us to think briefly <coughs> about the value of one, the one who is searching for Jesus Christ. There are people out there like that. There are people that are ready to get saved. <clears throat> now, I know not everybody. You go out there and you talk to people and some people just blow you off and you try to offer them an invitation. It's like, I don't want it. But you know, that's not the majority. Most of the people will, will take one. Most of the people you can at least talk to a little bit. There are people out there. There are people searching. They're looking. 
They, they, they may not understand what they're looking for, but as they look at this life, they understand that there's some type of void. It may be something they're, they're burying down in their life with all the other things going on in their life, but they know there's a void. They know that there's things that they haven't found. And as they're on their journey, we need to help them. But here's the problem so often. We live our lives and we go our merry, our merry way and we never notice those people that are searching for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? <clears throat> well, let's look at this man that Philip went to. There would have been some things in there that could have caused him not to look at this man that was searching. Look at verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of, what's the next two words? Great authority. We look at that person and say, he's got a great position, a great job. He doesn't need anything in his life. Well, I beg to differ. You can drive the best car in the world. You can live in the biggest house in the world. You can have all that stuff, but if you don't have Jesus Christ, you need something. There are people all throughout the Bible that had great positions, and they still needed the gospel. What about the Apostle Paul? You read in Philippians, he goes, I lost everything, and that's true. He was a great religious leader. He had a great position. He had everything in front of him, and he threw it away when he found Jesus Christ. People could have looked at, he doesn't need the gospel. Think about, and I, one of the things I like about Paul is, as he was on his way throughout the book of Acts, every great leader he came upon, he, he, he talked to them about the Lord. He didn't let their position stop. Let's quit looking at people and think everything on the exterior looks good in their life. They got a good job. They seem to have their act together. They don't need the Lord when the complete opposite may be true. And he said, she, he said, it also says, who had great charge of all her treasure. It seems like he had a lot of possessions. I know he was in charge of the queen's finances, but that means he was a higher up. I'm pretty sure he was well compensated. We seem to think, well, if, everybody, you know, if, I, if someone has all this worldly good, they're not going to listen. You don't know what's going down in their heart. I'm sure if you would have looked at this guy when he came, it's like, what is he doing here? He represents his queen. He has everything everybody would ever want. Why is he here? You know why he was here? Because he had an emptiness in his soul. So did Zacchaeus. Tax collector. IRS. Okay, we don't witness to many of them. But here is this guy, a tax collector. And back then, it just wasn't a guy who took your money. He took your money, and how much money he got kind of depended on how much he took. He owed a certain amount for his district, and anything he got over that, he can keep. So you know what that means? Probably wasn't real honest. Probably had a lot of money. But he was searching for something. And he, and he, came, he found it when he, was, when he came to Jesus Christ. Don't let people's possessions keep you from, from thinking they need Jesus Christ. They're searching. We're blinded sometimes by their persuasion. <clears throat> and he had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He went there to worship. And look at verse 28. And was returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. That's Isaiah. We look at people like, well, you know, they act religious and maybe they go to church. So obviously they don't need the Lord. Just because someone acts religious, just because someone has the bumper sticker on their car, just because someone carries a Bible, doesn't mean they don't need Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people that seem religious that weren't saved. How about Nicodemus? He was a religious leader, and he snuck to Jesus by night, and he starts talking to Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, wait a minute, aren't you a teacher? 
And you don't know these things? And because of that, we have the great John chapter 3, which tells us about God's love. Remember, we were in Bible college, and we were, <clears throat> we were out on our bus routes one day, and we were out visiting on my bus route, and um, we drove by this, some, there was this church on our route, and I, I don't know what kind of church it was, and they were having a barbecue. We smell barbecue. You know college kids. You know what college kids like? Food. Yeah. Right? And so one of the guys had a bright idea. Let's pull over, and I'll run over there and see what's up with the food. You know, hey, if they're giving away food, you know, hey, I'm in. And so this guy went, and he left. He was gone for like 25 minutes. I'm like, how hard is it to, you know, to go say, hey, what's up with the food? He comes back after 25 minutes. I'm like, what's up with the food? He goes, oh, they're selling it. We can't have any. Because, again, another thing about college students, they're not only hungry, they're broke. Okay? <coughs> and then he says, there was a, one of the evangelists there, I got to talking to him. It, this is, he wasn't even saved. I witnessed to him. A religious guy. He didn't even know the Lord. I was in Bible college. <coughs> Again, I was going to my friend's wedding. <coughs> it was in a small college town in Wisconsin. And it was late at night. We were bored stiff. And there was nobody out. So we just went for a walk. And here's a guy mowing the lawn at like 10 o'clock at night at this church. Now, you had to do it at 10 o'clock at night there because uh, it was hot during the day and the humidity. So we start talking to the guy, and, and we figured, <coughs> let's witness to him. He goes, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe any of that stuff. And it's like, well, you, you work at the church. You're just a gardener. Go, I'm the pastor. And I'm like, I don't understand that. But we see people and we think they're a little bit religious. Paul was religious, but he wasn't saved. Here's the point. <clears throat> Everybody's valuable. Let's quit looking at the outside and being confused, let's just give them the, the, the gospel. That is the, the value of one. Now, that's half of the message. But when we think of the value of one, you know what we think of? The one who needs Christ. But you know there's another person that's just as valuable as the one who's searching? The one who's sharing. That's why Philip was sent. If Philip had not gone, <coughs> that man would have never got the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was there. He was sincere. He was open. He was reading the scripture. And we're going to find out in a minute, not only was he reading the scripture, he was reading the best scripture in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. And yet he was as lost as could be. There's got to be someone to tell him. We can't, oh, you know, the value of one. Okay, the value of the one who's willing to give the gospel to those who don't know it. See, God's preferred method, God's really only method to get the gospel out to those that don't know it are those who do know it. You know, these people, I, I've heard testimonies before. You know, I was just sleeping and <clears throat> I woke up and, 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 you know, I just, I felt God in my life and I'm saved. That doesn't happen that way. God doesn't send angels to do that stuff. I've told you before that I'm not going to hammer that movie. <clears throat> There's some Christian movie out and it's just nothing but a bunch of garbage. But the guy that they're talking about, his salvation testimony was he went up to the mountains and he took some LSD. And by the time he woke up off of that trip, he said he was saved because of that experience. No one gets saved taking drugs. If that was true, every friend I grew up with would have been saved a long time ago. Okay? You don't get saved drinking either, by the way. Let's just throw that one out there. That's not how it works. Someone's got to show you the way. How do we do that? <clears throat> Verse 26 we must be led of the Spirit. 
Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem. He didn't just like take, and, and it would have been nothing wrong with that. If he was just traveling on his way to the next stop, and this guy pulled up and he saw him, but he was, he was led of God to that person. Do you know sometimes, there are people out there that God will bring your way specifically for you. Right? Have you ever had that prompting, like, hey, give that person a track? Let me ask this. <clears throat> and I've done it. And you don't listen. It's like, man, did I just blow a, an appointment? But it's nice. You go sometimes, you'll see a person, and hey, how you? And it's like, I remember one time we were up soul running in <coughs> North Long Beach. And there was a guy there, and he just, you know, him and his buddy, and they kind of looked like they were, mess, you know, I just didn't look like guys that, that wanted to, to talk about the gospel. I started talking to one of them, the other, and, and come to find out, one of them was interested. He didn't, none of them looked interested. This one guy was interested, and his friend wasn't. And his friend said, come on, man, let's go, let's go. And he goes, no, I'm going to listen. He goes, well, I'm leaving. He goes, go. And we sat there for a while and talked to him, and he got saved. See, you, you can't just assume that they don't want. God brings people our way. If God prompts you in a special way, you may be at work. <coughs> Should I invite that person? It's like, if God's laying it on your heart, do it. Let's be led of the Spirit. We have to go out. And by the way, even if God doesn't prompt you, we need to go out. See you on Tuesday night. Easter's over. No more Tuesday night. You're right. Every lost person in Long Beach came this morning. No, there's still people out there. And if anything, if it shows you anything, that people will come if we go. And then verse 27, <clears throat> we have to be obedient to the command. Verse 27, and he arose and went. And he didn't even know what was going on. If I read verse 26 correctly, he, he told him just to go without telling him what was going to happen. And he says, I'm going. By the way, you can, you can understand that you're supposed to share the gospel all you want, but if you don't get up and do it, that does, you, that does us no good. Okay? And I'm sure in here there's somebody who used to do that. You stop now. Well, I'm a church member. I'm glad. Well, I, uh, I, uh, I tithe. I'm super glad, okay? <laughs> who you talk to lately? Who you talk to lately? You, you, we can't stop that. We have to get out there. <clears throat> D.L. Moody one time was out soul winning one time, and he asked the guy about his soul. And the guy looked at him and said, hey, it's none of your business. And D.L. Moody said, yes, it is. Because it is. We have to be obedient. God wants us to share the gospel. Well, I'm too busy. That's a bad excuse. I give to missions. That's a bad excuse. God wants us to go. Look at verse 30. <clears throat> we have to answer their questions. They have questions. Verse 30, and Philip ran thither to meet him. I like that word run. You know, he didn't say like, let me, let me, well, I'll go towards this guy. And you go slow enough to like, oh, just missed him. And he ran. He said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And he heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And here, look at this, verse 31. And he said, <clears throat> How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. 
this guy was ready. And, and he wasn't ready. We, and we need to take advantage of that opportunity. Look at verse 32. The place in the scripture which he read was, he was as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb dumb before his sure, so opening not his mouth. It is humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare this generation for his life is taken from the earth? Now look at the eunuch understood a little bit. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He would have missed that opportunity. I mean, the guy's like, hey, look what I'm reading, and let me just ask you something. Who's he talking about? There's opportunities out there. And so often, we're in too much of a hurry to actually pay attention. Remember one Saturday, we had something going on, but I was out making visits, and, I, and we were in a hurry. And uh, I, I made a visit to somebody, and they weren't home, but there was a relative there. And I'm like, hey, let them know I came by. I'm from the church. And it's like, oh, okay. And I was in a super hurry. I had to go. He goes, okay. And I'm like, really? He goes, well, what church is that? I'm like, yeah, you know, Pacific Baptist Church. Tell them we came by. Okay. Hey, I have a question. I've been, I've been going to this thing. and been teaching me out of this book. And I'm like, hey, that's great. He goes, and he went and brought the book. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. And he's like, he did everything but say, what must I do to be saved? And he says, literally, this book's talking about going to heaven, I think. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm a, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, give me the book. I, I, you say, pastor, I would never do that. I know my heart sometimes is like totally out of whack. I'm like, let me see the book. And I flip through it, and I'm like, you know what? It doesn't say anything about how you can get to heaven. I'm like, but I know how to how I took it out and I, 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 I he got saved <clears throat> and I'm trying to get away brother Pineda that's embarrassing because I was in a hurry people are out there there's all <coughs> kinds of opportunities <clears throat> and let me tell you about one opportunity that we have that's very simple you know what it is giving out tracks giving out tracks do you know how many people we here today do you know how many visitors we're here today I mean, I, I, look, people are looking. <clears throat> I met some of them <clears throat> as the service is going on in the back talking. Like, some of them weren't even invited by somebody that they knew. A lot of them were. How'd you do it? You know, someone left an invitation on my door. And by the way, that's why we can't say people aren't looking. I met one back here. Guy had a great haircut, by the way. Fabulous haircut. The way all Christians ought to cut their hair, like me. But <laughs> I said, he goes, you know what? He goes, I... My, we live around the corner, my wife and I, and we drive up and down the street, and we drive through the area, and we've been thinking about going to church, and we're like, this church right here. I drive by it. And I don't even know if they got a track on their door. So I said, man, there's something about you I like. I think it's a haircut. Talk with them a little bit. <coughs> Afterwards, he says, see you next week. We're coming back. People are looking. Let me give you a couple thoughts here about tracks or <coughs> some quotes John Wesley said this, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. And even they who have been converted to God without hearing of a Bible were converted by the instrumentality of a tract. These are people hundreds of years ago. Jonathan Edwards said, by means of printed discourses, not only many in the neighborhood, but others in distant places may be instructed and warned. 
George Whitfield, the great evangelist of the 1800s, 1700s, said, We must use the printing press for the glory of God. Gospel tracts are a great means to awaken sinners and to confirm, to establish those who are seeking the Lord. George Mueller, the great man of faith who had all those orphanages, has said, I am convinced that thousands upon thousands of tracts have been blessed to the conversion of sinners and to the edification and comfort of the, state, of the saints. Let me give you a couple different quotes by Spurgeon. Tracts are more useful than sermons because most people will read a tract when they will not come to hear a sermon. If you cannot preach a sermon, you can at least distribute a tract. This is an age of cheap and plentiful literature. Let us use the press for spreading the gospel and let us do it with all of our mights. All of our might. There are people in here. You know, when we first started passing out these tracts for Easter, the first time we ever did it <coughs> pastor said let's oh, I'm sorry you know yeah the first he said let's 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 do a big track thing for Easter so I got I, I developed I designed a couple tracks we made them we, we did them and we did a big pass I took the teens down to a certain area of Long Beach the Sunday before Easter I saw someone sitting in a car and I'm like who's this who's this person you know it's like it's not Easter it was Miss Juanita Bondock she got one of our Easter tracks she came to church we could tell you those stories over and over. There are people that have heard about us, they think about us, and then they come home and there's that invitation on their door. You hand it out to them and you never realize who's going to get it. We have to use every means available. Now here's the point, <coughs> and we're done. I want us to be done. I, you, you've served a lot this weekend and I appreciate it. I don't want to keep you here long. When we think of the value of one, <coughs> we think solely in terms of the one who gets the gospel. But it's never going to happen if somebody else doesn't give the gospel. He said, Pastor, Easter's over. I know. A bunch of the guys yesterday got the rest of the tracks, <coughs> except for the 30 that I found in the track rack. They were Easter time sensitive. Only 30. And they took them out. <coughs> I don't know if someone came from, that, from those tracks, but they could have. There were several here like that. But when's the last time you passed one out? Maybe you should grab a handful. When's the last time? Pastor, I invited my friends because it was Easter and they came. That's great. Do you know we have church next Sunday too? And the next Sunday? The, the, do the people in our area need to wait until friend day to get that invitation? They may not make it till friend day. So what about the value of the one who shares the gospel? I want to be that one. And I want you to be that one. You said, but pastor, it's already crowded in here on Sundays. Why don't you force us to knock some walls out and add some more chairs? We'll do it. We'll do it. Why don't I just, you, and I'm not trying just to draw a crowd here. Except that the crowd means that there's individuals that are being reached with the gospel. And they're coming to church and they're growing in their faith. So you know what they can do? They can go out and help us reach more people with the gospel. So someone needs to write a song, the value of one who shares the gospel. And because I'm zero musical talent, it ain't going to be me. But souls are individual. Souls are valuable, but so are those that share. And so let's go find those people. Maybe you can't make a difference in thousands of lives, but you can make the difference in one, two, three. And that's very important. Let's not forget it just because we had a great day today. Let's bow our head and close our eyes <coughs> just for a minute.
Let's just be as a path. Here's the point. <clears throat> and I say it after friend day every year too. <clears throat> Let's be as passionate about getting people to church, getting the people to the gospel. Let's be as passionate about that as we are every other day of the year. Every other day of the year. I'm so thankful somebody, Pastor Esposito, he wasn't Pastor Esposito, then he was my friend Joe. I'm glad that he was passionate about me, getting me to church, getting me to the service, getting me to Easter. He said, but Pastor, sometimes I invite someone, they don't want to hear it. Just give them it and move on to the next one. There are people out there that are looking. And by the way, as the world gets darker, people are looking for light. The value of one. Let's stand together, if you may. So are we going to continue? Yeah, we're probably not going to have as many visitors next week, but you know what? We can have some. We can share with some. I'm thankful that someone cared about my soul. I'm thankful in the midst of all those that were saved that Sunday. I'm glad that I was one that was saved. That made it imp I don't know what happened to the other ones that got saved that day, but I know what happened to me, and I'm thankful for that. We need people to share the good word of the gospel to those that don't know it. The piano's going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? I know we're busy. We have two opportunities to come out and share the gospel. And I'm not asking you to go out all day. Grab a handful of tracks and as you live your life, be here on Tuesday night. Say, I work on Tuesday night. Why don't you come on Saturday for a little bit? But our church needs to get the good news to those who can desperately use it. Why don't you come?